Hello everyone, welcome to Grace and Truth Podcast with Tunde Udoma. I'm your host, Tunde Udoma. So you're welcome. So today, we're going to continue with Grace and Truth. Now, the last episode, which has been a while now, um, we had the first episode of Grace and Truth Podcast and I tried to explain to us why this podcast being tagged or called Grace and Truth and the reason is very simple we looked at the the bible in john chapter 1 verse 14 and we saw that when god was manifest in the flesh when jesus god in the flesh was made manifest to israel and to the whole world the bible tells us in john chapter 1 verse 14 that what was evident about him what stood out what could be the summary what we could call the summary of his glory was grace and truth because the bible says we beheld his glory full of grace and truth and that tells me something that the glory of god that is the weight of god's person the weight of god's ability the weight of god's character the sum total of the experience of God, which is often referred to as the glory of God, but the Bible says is full of grace and truth. So that means the characteristics of God's glory, of God's essence, is grace and truth. And that led me to really, you know, begin to understand what grace and truth stand for, and to also understand that without the understanding of what grace is, and what God's truth is, we cannot really understand who God is. And if we do not understand who God is, we cannot have a very meaningful relationship with Him because there are a whole lot of misconceptions about who God is, how God is, what God does, that, you know, people are divided about the person, nature, and character of God. But if we look into the scriptures, which documents God's dealings with people on the earth. In the under the old covenant, God dealing with people based on the covenant that the people agreed to and how God dealt or how God has been dealing with humanity based on the new covenant that he made with Jesus Christ, his son, basically he manifested in the flesh. That covenant um, becomes the basis of God's relationship. So the scriptures, the Bible is the documentation of God's dealings with men, starting with, you know, Adam, Eve, Abraham, then the nation of Israel, and how God deals with the the whole of humanity because he started dealing with individuals, then he started dealing with Israel as a nation introducing himself to Israel and through that introduction introduced himself to the rest of the world on the basis of his covenant and the thing about God is God does not deal haphazardly God does not do things based on his emotions based on the way he feels about things no God is very ethical and God's ethics based on covenant that's why he's often called the covenant keeping God so 
God dealt with the people of the Old Covenant under a specific covenant. It's called the Old Covenant or the Old Testament. The word Testament also means covenant. Then under the New, God dealt with people or deals with people based on the New Covenant. And there is something about the New Covenant is different from the Old. The Old Covenant is people telling God that whatever God asks them to do, they will be able to do it. Now, that claim must have come from the willingness to try to please God. But what they did not realize is that they could not. They inherently could not. They did not have the capacity within themselves to please God because God's standard, you know, is high higher than anything we can imagine so they made that boastful claim and since that was what they agreed to as when god proposed it they eagerly agreed and said we will do it at the end of the day you know it spelled disaster because they went into this covenant with god and they had to agree to the terms if you're able to please god then you enjoy the good if you're not able to please god then you'll suffer the consequences and that became the foundation for a whole lot of um, severe dealings that they had to endure and even receive from god because that was the covenant they agreed to so because God deals with man based on covenant, it makes God very, very ethical. So we need to you know, understand that God doesn't deal haphazardly. You know? So now for us to really understand God's nature and God's heart, we need to see what the scripture says about him. And there is no way, no better way to understand who God is than to look to the Lord Jesus Christ because Jesus is God manifested in the flesh and it's very very important that we we realize that Jesus is God manifested in the flesh all right now in John chapter 1 if you read verse 14 John's gospel chapter 1 verse 14 it says that and the word was made flesh and dwelt amongst us and we beheld his glory the glory as of the only begotten of the father full of grace and truth and that's what i said in the beginning god's glory was described to be full of grace and truth so the content of god's glory the essence of his of his person and his glory is is grace and truth and that that's why we want to really dig deep to understand or to understanding what grace and truth is about because that's what really defines who god is if you read verse 18 jesus said this no man has seen god at any time um the only begotten son which is in the bosom of the father he had declared him so when jesus came that was the first time humanity would be seeing god face to face now um let's read a couple of scriptures that helps to establish that in first timothy chapter 3 first timothy chapter 3 talks about God being manifested in the flesh and um, okay first Timothy chapter 3 I'm gonna read verse 16 
1 Timothy chapter 3 verse 16 he says and without controversy great is the mystery of godliness God was manifested in the flesh now it's talking about the Lord Jesus he was manifested in the flesh who was manifested in the flesh God was manifested in the flesh justified in the spirit seen of angels preached unto the Gentiles believed on in the world received up into glory so God was manifested in the flesh and that's Jesus now of course if you do your research you find out that it's not only the Bible or the scriptures that makes that claim but history itself um, speaks emphatically about the existence of Christ and the fact that you did miracles and the fact that his followers testified that they saw him after he had been crucified he died on the cross he was buried and they saw him and because of that resurrection the Christian faith is still alive today so God was manifested in the flesh and that that was the first time humanity was going to see God face to face and everything we see about Jesus is who God is everything we see about Jesus is what God is everything we see about Jesus is what God will do and it's very important to know that and that's why God came in the form of man to reveal himself to humanity so understanding the nature the person and the character of God begins with taking a good look at the Lord Jesus Christ because he is God in the flesh God in human form um, I want to read Hebrews chapter 1 which also helps us to understand this very well in Hebrews chapter 1 the Bible tells us that okay I don't want to quote it so I want to read it from the Bible in Hebrews chapter 1 if you read from verse 1 it says God who at sundry times and in diverse manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophet as in this last day spoken to us by his son whom he had and whom he had appointed heir of all things by whom also he made the world verse 3 who being the brightness of his glory you see that again jesus being the brightness of god's glory and the express image of his person so jesus is the brightness of god's glory and the Bible in John chapter 1 verse 14 says that glory is full of grace and truth. Then in, in continuing Hebrews 1, it says is the express image of God's person. So Jesus is the express image of God's person. If you want to see God's person, who God is, who he, what it looks like, then you look at Jesus because he's the brightness of God's glory is the express image of God's person so when we, you take a good look at Jesus then you see oh this is who God is and that's why God manifested himself in the person of Jesus and it's very important that we understand that 
So the identity of God is Jesus Christ. The identity of God is Jesus Christ. Now, Colossians chapter 1. Now that's another very good scripture. Colossians chapter 1 verse 15 says, talking about Jesus. In fact, let me read from verse um, verse 12. It says, giving thanks unto the Father, which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. He's saying God has qualified us to partake of the inheritance of his called people in light who had delivered us from the power of darkness and had translated us into the kingdom of his dear son, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. Verse 15, this is where I'm going. Still talking about Jesus, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. Jesus is the image of the invisible God. In order to see God, you need to look at Jesus because Jesus himself said it. He said, he that has seen me has seen the father. Now, let's look at John chapter 14, John's gospel, chapter 14. All right. John's gospel, chapter 14. I'm going to read from verse six all the way to verse 10. John's Gospel 14, verse 6 to verse 10. Now it says, And Jesus said unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one cometh unto the Father but by me. Now, if you had known me, you should have known my Father also. So Jesus is saying, Knowing me is knowing the Father. And from henceforth, ye know him and have seen him. Why did he say they've seen him? Because they were looking at Jesus. He said, listen, everything I am is what the father is. I'm an extension of the father. The son of God is an extension of the father. Is the father coming to us in the likeness of human flesh to reveal himself. So Jesus is God in essence and at the same time he is man because he took the form of man to reveal himself to humanity god never wants us to guess about who he is that's why jesus came god was manifested in the flesh and this is very very important very important and that's why jesus and faith in him is at the very heart of christianity Okay, a real relationship with God is relationship with Jesus because that is the evidence that we need that God exists. He came and revealed himself. You know, there are times people would say things like, well, if there is God and if he comes down and reveal himself, then I'll believe, well, he did that two years I mean, 2,000 years ago, except you want him to come do it to you today, he wouldn't do that. He's ethical. He did that. And when he came, he made a sacrifice to take care of our sinful ways so that we can come to him. So Jesus, speaking here in John chapter 14, he said that, verse 8, he said, 
Okay, Philip said unto him, Lord, show us the Father and it will suffice us, meaning we'll be satisfied. We will be satisfied. It will satisfy us. Meaning, come on, you know, just show us. You know, like people say today, show us. You know, these same people Jesus was relating to or with back then had the same attitude. Show us the Father. You know, just show us something. Then look at what Jesus said. Jesus said unto him, said unto him, have I been so long time with you and yet has thou not known me philip <laughs> he said show us the father and jesus said hey i've been with you all this time and you don't know me jesus is all we're going to get when we ask for god when we ask god to reveal himself because he is god manifested in human flesh to reveal god to us all right he that has seen me had seen the Father. And how said thou then show us the Father? So Jesus said, He that has seen me has seen the Father. Why? Because Jesus is the revelation of the Father. And the Father has revealed himself in Jesus. Jesus is the very image of the invisible God. He's the identity of the invisible God is the nature of the invisible God and he has revealed himself his nature his character his identity when he manifested himself in the person of Jesus of Nazareth and what I'm trying to bring out of this is when we look at Jesus everything he did his ethics everything he stood for everything he taught all the miracles he did his graciousness his loving kindness his graciousness to sinner there was sinners to, there was a woman caught in the act of adultery they came and they said oh you know by the law of moses we need to stone her to death jesus said hey okay fine you want to store her go ahead but you know what the person that is without sin should be the first person to cast the, the stone the first stone and you know their hearts convicted them and they left one after the other that's god that's jesus are you following? And he was doing this to reveal the heart of God, the real heart of God in dealing with all of our inadequacies. We all have inadequacies. We don't need to be judgmental and critical about others. What we need is God's saving grace that is in Christ Jesus. So it's very important that we understand that. I love a scripture that shows so much um, about God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, and how they all being one God, you know, are all about graciousness and goodness. And that's Acts of the Apostles, chapter 10, verse 38. The Bible says, How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost, who went about doing good, healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. See that? He went about doing good. That speaks of the graciousness of God. Remember, we're talking about the glory of God being full of grace and truth. So just want to really talk about the grace, the graciousness of God here. So if we look at Jesus and we see his graciousness, his, his goodness, his loving kindness, that's exactly who God is. So you want to know who God is? Look to Jesus. Look at Jesus, full of grace and truth. He is the express image of God. Now, in um, John 3, verse 16, 
very popular verse say for god so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life that's god's love god loved us and he gave his son he gave it son in second corinthians chapter 5 verse 19 the bible says that god was in christ reconciling himself to the world so christ wasn't just by himself at the cross he was there as an extension of the father to give himself for our sins and god was in christ all right he was a man on the cross because he had taken on the form of man but the essence of him is god so it was God's graciousness it was his gracious nature that brought us the plan of redemption even when we didn't care about being lost or being dead in sin in Titus chapter 3 verse 5 it says that we are saved not by any works of righteousness which we have done so that's the graciousness of God that's the goodness of God Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8 it says by grace are ye saved through faith by grace through faith is graciousness so the nature and character of god is grace that's what i'm saying the nature and character of god is grace is altogether lovely is grace and what is that grace means it speaks of his favor his goodness his goodwill towards all men you know um next month is going to be december and people all over the world will be preparing for christmas the celebration of god being manifest in the flesh the birth of jesus christ our lord and savior and you know i love what the scripture says you know uh, tells uh, uh, the scripture has to say about his birth if you look at luke chapter 2 I, I just love this look at the announcement that the angels made when the son of god was made manifest in luke chapter 2 uh for a broader understanding i'll just I'll read from verse 7. He says, And she brought forth her first son, talking about Mary bringing forth Jesus, and wrapped him in a swaddling cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came unto them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were so afraid. Verse 10. And the angel said unto them, Fear not. Now that's good news. Fear not. For behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. God's glory, God's grace, God's goodness is for all people. Does not matter who you are, where you are. God's glory is for you. God's favor is for you. God's graciousness is for you. For all people. So, okay, uh, verse 11. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a savior which is christ the lord so was the title given to him because of his assignment a savior that's who jesus is a savior is not a mere religious leader is not somebody just you know, demanding uh, uh, worship for religion's sake no he came to save us 
Verse 12, and this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in a swaddling, in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. Verse 13, and suddenly there was with the angel multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, verse 14, this is where I'm going, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill towards men. You see that? That's the favor of God goodwill towards men that's who god is goodwill towards men now there are a number of objections that people raise you know when we start talking about the goodness of god and god being gracious and grace and love being the person the nature and the character and the ethics of god there are people that raise objections and some of these objections they raise from the bible and they cite cases where god brings severe punishment on people and on nations who have rebelled against good and have rebelled against god and they say hey if god is good why would he do this or why would he allow this you know now now there's there's a a long defense i can make for that but this is a short form okay now the thing is if god is god okay if there is a god and he is god then he has the right and not only the right he has the responsibility to judge evil okay if god is god then he has the right not just the right it has the responsibility to judge evil and if you say well i don't believe that there is a god then that means you have no foundation for moral judgment if you do not believe there is a god then there is no supreme being holding anyone accountable then that means no other person can make such call such moral call or judgment and if your claim is there is no god then you lack the moral grounds to say that even what the god of the bible does in terms of bringing evil people to accountability if you claim there's no god there's no moral good moral um no objective morality then you have no claim upon which to judge the actions of the God of the Bible where punishing evil is concerned. That's very, very important. Now, if there is a God, and if he is good, and he is just and gracious, then he has to punish evil, because that is good. If there is a God, and he's a good God, then he has to punish evil. Alright? And and, and that's it. So, a, a more sincere um, a more sincere look at the Bible reveals God's plan to save people who are lost in sin, who are dead in sin and lost. That's God's plan. That, that's a sincere look at the scriptures. And sometimes people just cherry pick, you know, they just look at events in isolation. Oh, God said this. Oh, God said to do that. Oh, that must be terrible. No, a very sincere look at the scriptures to understand the goodness of God is to see that, hey, the whole thing is leading to God saving the whole world. Now, God had to deal with situations here and there based on those specific circumstances and based on the the, the covenant that was available because God can't just do anything haphazardly. So based on that provision, God had to deal with those situations that way. But the real story, all right, is that God was working out 
the execution of the plan of redemption and it started with abraham it started the nation of israel so that from that nation can come from the lineage of david the messiah from that lineage god was going to be manifested in the flesh through the lineage and that's why it had to be a virgin birth and jesus came to save the world so god's promise to humanity is not punishment it's not hell and people read the bible that way you know maybe because their minds are you know abu- uh, 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 not favorably disposed towards god or maybe they've not really you know taking time to understand what the scripture is about they just want to pick oh god 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 punished these people it was so severe and they, they just pick things here and there the, the real promise of god to humanity the vow of god towards humanity if I, if I may put it that way is not hell it's not punishment no god's promise is salvation through faith in christ jesus that's God's promise. That's what the book is about. That's what the story is about. That's what all the events is about. That's what the cross is about. Salvation, true faith in Christ Jesus. Remember Romans chapter 6, verse 23? The wages of sin is death. He didn't stop there. He said, but the gift of God, but it negates, meaning you don't have to go the way of death. You don't have to go the way of the wages of sin. He said, the wages of sin is death. He didn't say God, you know, makes that happen. He said, listen, when people begin to live lifestyle of sin and engage and indulge and, you know, become one with sin, it leads to death. And we all know the reality of death and not just the cessation of the physical life. No. There are a whole lot of circumstances that that are death-like, you know. A whole lot of terrible things that can happen to people because of the lifestyle they choose. Alright? It's death. And not just that. The sin of Adam already brought death. Sufferings of all kinds. So the Bible says the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is it. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. So the story is about the gift of God and it's a gift of grace. That's what the story is about. It's about the gift of God. Hell is only a consequence of rejecting God's offer of salvation that is in Christ Jesus. That's what hell is. God didn't create hell and vowed that, who I'm going to send people there by all means. No. He created hell as a quarantine for evil. Yeah, that's where all evil and all everything that hurts humanity will be quarantined at the end of this world. God is going to quarantine everything in hell, put it in hell, then take hell, put hell in the lake of fire so that all of that mess and all of that evil is forever removed from human contact. So it's such a beautiful story if you look at it. A good God descends heavily on evil, but comes to to save and deliver people and that's it so hell is always a consequence of rejecting god's good plan of salvation and why can't why won't god make people go to heaven against their will because love doesn't do that love wouldn't do that love wouldn't force people so the ultimate plan if you read the scripture is that god here god was walking the plan of redemption was working since adam's disobedience god began to work on the plan of redemption he already had it in store 
and that plan began to unfold. So, though humanity was plunged into death through the disobedience of Adam, now humanity can come into life everlasting through the obedience of Christ Jesus. And that's what the Bible tells us in Romans chapter 5. I'm going to read Romans chapter 5. I'm going to read verse 12 and verse 19. Romans chapter 5 verse 12. It says, Wherefore, as by one man's sin, sorry, wherefore, as by one man, sin entered into the world and death by sin. And so death passed upon all men. For that all have sinned by one man by one man verse 14 says nevertheless death reigned from adam to moses even over them that had not sinned after the similitude of adam's transgression who is the figure of him that was to come if you read verse 19 it says for as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners by one man's disobedience that's romans 5 19 by one man's disobedience many were made sinners see that then it goes on it says but so by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous by the obedience of jesus so that's what god was walking at and that's why he was manifested in the flesh to die for our sins so a sincere and objective look at the scriptures at the bible reveals that god is not against mankind but God is for mankind. God is for us. But he is against evil. Why? Because evil hurts humanity. Evil hurts us. Evil hurts us. And God is against everything that hurts us. So Jesus came to redeem humanity from the evil of sin that is in us. To give us God's divine life that leads to righteousness. So that's the real story. So those who reject the, the, the plan of God to give eternal life, well, they automatically, you know, choose the consequence of evil. And that's hell. So it's not like, you know, God is, you know, going to maliciously put people in hell. So, you know, so we need to understand what the story is. So God is good and gracious and there is no evil in him. Okay. When you understand this truth, then it will lead to a healthy relationship with God. God is against evil because evil hurts us. Evil hurts us. You know, the Bible says in 1 John chapter 1, verse 5, he said, God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. So when Jesus walked the earth about 2,000 years ago, that was God in the flesh presenting himself in person to humanity then he also made the ultimate sacrifice for our redemption so this sacrifice is is, is a selfless act of goodness and graciousness if you look at romans chapter 5 from verse 6 it says for when we were yet without strength in due time christ died for the ungodly and if you're listening to this you're like well you know um my ways are not pleasing to god exactly why jesus came he died for the ungodly he died to nail to this cross that sinful nature so that you can receive a new nature in in him in christ in the risen christ 
So he died for the ungodly. So being ungodly, meaning when you're in a state where you don't even know God, that's what qualifies you for the for the grace of God, for the goodness of God. So you don't have to go fix yourself to receive the goodness of God and the graciousness of God. No, you come as ungodly as you are, then you receive his new nature, his righteousness, then it makes you godly. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Wow. So, if you read verse 7 of Romans 5, it says, For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet peradventure for a good man some will even dare to die. Verse 8, But God, now think about that verse 7. He said, Hey, scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die. So when Christ came to die for us, not because we were good. See that? That's why he said, but God commended his love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. This is the ultimate evidence of God's goodness and graciousness. This is it. The cross of Christ is the evidence of, oh, of God's graciousness. We look we ought to look at the cross and say, Oh, thank you, Father, for your graciousness and your goodness. It is the, it's the ultimate evidence of God's goodness and graciousness. That's it, the cross of Christ. So God has demonstrated his grace by laying down his life for us on the cross in the person of Jesus Christ. And he did that for you and I. He did that because he loves you. He did that because that is the only spiritual sacrifice was physical but then the spiritual significance the spiritual necessities for you and i to pass from death and sin spiritual death and sin into spiritual life and righteousness that's the only thing that can wash away our sins and thank god god made that ultimate sacrifice when we were most undeserving this is god's grace this is god's goodness so i want to remember this god's promise in christ jesus is not hell it's not punishment god's promise in christ jesus is eternal life what is eternal life god's life and nature in you that puts you in a position to live with him forever even after you leave this world what is hell is only the consequence of rejecting god's rescue plan in redemption when people reject god well they'll just have to be quarantined in hell and that's not god's will so the real story is god loves you and he already demonstrated it by laying down his own life for you and I so believe that God is good that's the point of this podcast I want you to believe in God's goodness I want you to believe in God's graciousness believe God is good because that is what the evidence of scripture points to the evidence of scripture points to the goodness of God that's the whole story he loves you and he wants to help you and he already proved that proven that by laying down his life for you. I believe you've been blessed by this podcast and um, I trust that it's going to minister God's grace and glory to you. 
And I pray for you that as you listen to these words, that you will act on them, believing in God's goodness and experiencing that good that goodness in your life and in your circumstances in Jesus' name. Thank you very much for listening. I'm your host, Tunde Udoma. Please subscribe. Introduce this podcast to others. And by God's grace, I'm going to be bringing you at least um, a podcast every week, at least. I believe God's grace is sufficient to keep that promise. God bless you. Hi, I am Tunde Udoma, host of Grace and Truth Podcast. I'd like to introduce you to Grace and Truth Podcast because it's a platform dedicated to the amplifying of the scriptures on God's graciousness to all and His truth that makes us free. So, listen, subscribe, and have an amazing time in God's grace and truth.